Welcome to episode 68 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Splinter Cell Conviction. As always, you can find everything Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, at leftbehindgameclub on Instagram, and at leftbehindclub on Twitter. If you like what you've heard, consider joining our Discord server. You can find that information on our website at leftbehindgame.club. Splinter Cell Conviction tells the story of a changed man, of a changed Sam Fisher. But... He's a man that has his reasons. The thing you have to understand is this. The Sam Fisher you knew is dead. America killed him, asked him to make one sacrifice too many, cross one line too far. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have one friend with me. You know him. You love him. His name is Mo Mertotti. I will never leave you, Jacob. I will always be your friend. Please don't ever leave. We're, we're one. We are so one. So if we leave, could we form the fourth echelon together? Correct. So today we're playing Splinter Cell Conviction. Uh, it is the fourth game, fifth game in the Splinter Cell series, Um it is available on Xbox 360 and PC, developed and published by Ubisoft in 2010. Mo, what's your history with the Splinter Cell series? I've only just known the name. It's like, hey, have you played a Splinter Cell? Have you played a Splinter Cell? And to me, for some reason, it just it vaguely fits in with a bunch of games that have nothing to do with it. But in my brain, they're the same. So like Hitman. For some reason, like before I played Hitman, I was like, oh, Hitman, Splinter Cell, it's like the same developer or something like that. And like there was that. For some reason, I thought it was like, do you remember the SOCOM games? Hell yeah, I do. Yeah. Zipper Interactive, let's yeah. go. So I, I thought that was part of the Tom Clancy thing. I knew Tom Clancy was the author, but I was like, maybe he made every like fighter game, like action shooting type stuff. So I just knew the games. I want to say I've played a Splinter Cell. I'm hoping we can go through a list of all the games to like ring off a bell, but I th- I think I did. If not, then it's probably because I played like SOCOM Fireteam Bravo and thought it was a Splinter Cell one time. Well, Mo, uh, I read your mind here because I have the list of games right here. Woo! Uh, so the first game in the series, Splinter Cell, was released in 2002. It came out on the Xbox, the original Xbox. Um, that one kind of set the stage for this for the entire um, series. It is a stealth game focused on you know stealth gameplay. And back in the day, I would say it was a little bit uh, mechanical in the way that you went about the game. You shoot people. It's a military story, etc. Nothing's changed. No, okay, continue. <laughs> is that your best Michael Ironside impression? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Then in 2004, Splinter Cell: Pandora Tomorrow came out. That introduced spy versus merc multiplayer, which may be the thing that you remember. I think that might be it. Yeah, where each side had different powers, and the spies had to capture something. The mercs were first person, and they had to kill you, and the uh, the spies were third person and had to collect things. Yeah, that that one rings. The most bell, but it might be just because it was like marketed a lot during the time, and that's all I saw. What's what else is there? Uh, Chaos Theory in 2005, which added cooperative modes, uh, and then they kind of took a, a big left turn and went Splinter Cell Double Agent, where you played kind of both sides. You weren't part of the third echelon, um, you were kind of more of a, a maverick, if you will. Yeah, on second thought, I feel like I've never played a Splinter Cell, and I've just seen the marketing and promotion everywhere for it, and just for some reason. 
never picked up a, a title. Well, I mean, they they bridged both like the Xbox generation and then the 360 generation. The uh, Double Agent Conviction, which is the game we played in 2010, and then Blacklist in 2013. Those are the ones that came out on 360 PC. Never on a Sony platform. Aha! That's exactly what it is. Because you know, I've kind of grown up the whole Sony life since inception, I guess. I mean, you don't have an N-Gage where you could have played Splinter Cell or a DS where you could have played uh, Chaos Theory. I don't know. Usually my Nintendo world is surrounded by like Super Smash and uh, some kind of Pokemon game. That's where I dabble in Nintendo. Okay, so you've not played a Splinter Cell game before. How did you play this Splinter Cell game? I, I, when you said Splinter Cell Conviction, I have a, I think it's Uplay, the yep. Ubisoft, like Microsoft PC platform. Yep. I knew I had a bunch of random Splinter Cell games in there from like a bundle or something a long time ago. Never touched them. I think I've played Siege for a bit. Uh, I think shout out... Uh, to I think Mike was the one that introduced me to that game, Rainbow but, uh, Six Siege. Yeah, I think he, he played it a bit, so he kind of like he should try it out. Anyways, so I had a bunch of Splinter Cell games. I go in there, I'm like fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Sure enough, Splinter Cell Conviction is right there. So that's wow. where I, that's where I played it in Ubisoft's uh, you play platform on PC, mouse, and keyboard. With that, I'm going to jump into it before I give it back to you. I tried playing it with a controller because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I kind of want to. I haven't played a controller game in a while, and this is a first person shooter, stylish, no third person. It's a shooter. Um, my controller just didn't work for some reason. I don't know if there was no, like, like the, the key bindings were not mapping to two separate controllers I was using. One of them was the Xbox Elite controller. The other one was, like, the, I think the default Logitech gamepad that you buy if you want, like, a controller that's not Microsoft. Um, I tried that one for some reason. The camera, I was only able to walk, like, strafing. I couldn't use my right analog stick to like aim with anything else, even though the instructions on screen were saying use the right stick to do something. Both con- controllers weren't fit. Working. Bizarre, and that's a, I would imagine back in 2010, controller support wasn't ubiquitous on yeah, 100%. PC. Yeah, hundred percent. I didn't, I didn't not dock it for that. I just, I was like going to try to do it, and then it didn't work, so I used the mouse and keyboard. Um, and it was, it was fine-ish. I'll talk about it later. Okay, that's great, because I actually played the game on Xbox 360, and I've, I've dropped something very, very interesting right in front of I you. It is the Xbox 360 uh, Splinter Cell Conviction, what does it say, Special Edition? Collector's Edition. Collector's Edition. I didn't even realize I had this. So this is like one of those steel box set things that people pay too much money for and then chuck away after like a day of reading it. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the last ones that I ever purchased. Um, but I was looking on my shelf and I'm like, I own Conviction. Where's my Conviction? And it's because it's one of these special edition steel books that came with additional codes for extra weapons and extra skins uh, and some decals. But beyond that, it's, it's the same dang game. It actually comes with a cool... Uh, booklet that lets you go through some of the art of the series. Um, so shout out to Ubisoft for their special editions. But uh, that is how I own that. Were these DLCs before there was the D part in DLCs? Yeah. The DL part? Yeah, this kind is, of. This is just extra content? Yeah, you get a special weapon and it's actually like a really amazing weapon that I use for a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, so this is just the C part. That is just this, this, the content part, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I own two copies of Blacklist as well, but I don't want to get into why I own two copies. Um, the thing is, even if we did get into it, you wouldn't have have a sufficient answer that would satisfy anyone for why you would need two copies no people would shake their head and go oh jacob um but as far as my history with the series i used to play almost like every game in the clancy verse if you will cool. like i was a huge rainbow six three black arrow fan um a decent fan of of ghost recon i played some of those games uh and i even tried some of their games like hawks do you remember hawks it was like a 
I think so. It was a console but RTS. I th- so you said Ghost Recon. That's the game I played. That was the Tom Clancy game. And because he did Splinter Cell, I assumed it was the same thing. So I played Ghost Recon 2, I think. Okay. Um, and that's why I was like, I feel like I've played a Splinter Cell. No, no, no. I played Ghost Recon and that's Tom Clancy. There you go. And I, I might be mistaken. Hawks, I think, is the, the flying game. I think it is. And then there's End War, which is the console RTS. Ah, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I've played almost every Splinter Cell game all the way down to Conviction. I have Double Agent Ever played it and i own blacklist never played it but that's my history with the series um before we get into the the game itself we're gonna spoil this game uh, i think it's fair to say that the story in this isn't like gangbusters so if you want to stick around please do but we are going to spoil the story here so this is your point to stop listening if you are interested in playing the game yeah um i want to start by reading off a quote from GameSpot's kevin van ord that i think just like solidly shares what splinter cell conviction is who is that is that like a editor or something? Uh, Yeah, he was an editor at the time on GameSpot when this came out in 2010. So he says, this isn't the Splinter Cell of yesteryear. Sam Fisher is losing patience, which in turn translates into a speedier stealth and a lot more bullets than before. It's hard not to feel a twinge of disappointment if you're a fan of the series. Sam's newest adventure doesn't offer the challenge you may be expecting, and recent stealth action hybrids like Metal Gear Solid 4 and Batman Arkham Asylum provide much more satisfying single-player experiences, yet stellar storytelling, fantastic co-op play, and rewarding executions make Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell conviction a legitimately great game that delivers frequent surges of excitement between the brief thrills of freeing your partner from a chokehold and the sharp adrenaline rush of a bloody execution conviction will leave a mark on your memory Mm -hmm. i think he nailed it right on the head if this review is coming out in 2010 (laughs) yep um because like yeah he 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 marked out the couple uh, metal gear solid and Batman Arkham Asylum. I kind of got a similar-ish vibe, but I felt like it, it wasn't hitting the mark as much as those ones and how they impacted me and me playing those. Yeah, I played this game when it first came out in 2010, and if you look on my like favorite games of all time list, this probably wouldn't be in the top 10, but it would probably be in like the top 20 or 30 games that I played. Having replayed it, I kind of wish that I didn't. Ah, it's one of those. Yeah. It's, it's one of those amazing games you loved when you were younger, and then all of a sudden you try it again and just breaks your heart and i think it's i think it's fair to say that this game does deliver i actually thought when i f- was playing it that i'm like oh this game came out in like what 2014 2015 because that's the way it felt but it did come out in 2010 so i don't yeah. want to totally discount it but it has been dated just a little bit yeah 100 percent. you want to one small thing like mechanically that yeah. kind of made me feel like it was an old game it was yep. it was uh i want to say in the first like couple hours you're in like a Baghdad or some kind of Middle Eastern place where you're wielding it or it wasn't really you it's another player that's like trying to save the Sam Fisher guy and you when you use a scoped like uh, AK-47 every shot you take there's absolutely no recoil like the, the crosshairs just kind of stay in one spot and I'm like oh because we're just forgetting about physics now aren't we <laughs> and that kind of was like okay maybe back then that was just part of shooting like I, I, I'm not going to knock uh, what's it called uh, GoldenEye for not having any recoil with guns. That's, I'm not going to knock this one kind of thing, even though that's kind of quite a bit away from yeah. the timeline. So you play in this game as Sam Fisher, who has quit Third Echelon, which is like a government organization that manages information warfare, essentially, in 2010. Yeah, like super spies, kind of. Yeah, and he was part of that for the first games. His daughter was presumed to be dead, and you kind of take it from there. Um, but as far as... I don't think we should get into the story right this second, because it's a. I wrote a book report that we can just quickly go through the different points. How convenient. Um, but I do want to talk about the controls and the gameplay, because I think that's where this game shines. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess so you start off as a, it's a third-person adve- shooter adventure game, essentially. 
um, where there are some kind of spy tactics and techniques that are introduced early on. I'll go through a couple, Jacob, and if you think I missed something, feel free to chime in. Earlier on, you're taught about the concept of the dark and how you want to kind of be in the dark when you're trying to either take down some people or just use it as an advantage. I didn't use it that much, but what it does is if you are in the dark, people are less likely to see you if they're directly looking at you. You kind of have like a little bit of a buffer to almost sneak up to people or grab them from behind and they won't see you. Whereas if there was broad daylight or a light shining on you, they can look at you from across the room and kind of alert everyone and say, hey, there's a guy here. Take him down. Take him down. And stylistically, it does something really cool when you're in the dark. It goes to a black and white color palette so that you know, okay, cool. I'm in the dark. No one can see me. Yeah, I I love that. I love that whole just kind of additional feedback to let you know, okay, you you can maneuver how you want to because the effect you're trying to achieve is in like activated. Yeah. And other games have done cool stuff but when you think about hitman which is a game you brought up that we played on this podcast five-part series you can check it out more than five-part six-part series you can check that out in our archives but they do some cool stuff where they kind of say you hey you're you're not in alert mode right now and they do that through the ui but this game came out in 2010 yeah that's the thing where we're going to always be coming back to like there's some things that are kind of annoying myself and i'm assuming there's stuff that annoyed you but it's not that big of a deal because if, when you look at the data, it did come out. So I derailed you. You talked about the dark. What are some of the other stuff in the in the game? One of the cool things um, I, I kind of enjoyed, and I don't know, I feel like I've seen it somewhere in some other game, but the only one that reminds me of it is this. It's when you approach a doorway and you hear people inside. Early on, you kind of slip under like a, a mirror to kind of see what the situation is. Or, and then later, once the game kind of starts, the, the main missions, you use like this camera system. And I thought that was a kind of a cool concept for a spy game. I didn't feel like this was a spy game at, per se. I felt it was like, just like a run and gun shooter. But if it was like a tactical gun like thing, it'd be pretty cool to be able to just go through a door and see like the four people find out oh, there's a window behind them that's open. Let me slide out around the building and kind of jump in and take them out. I use that sometimes, but most of the time it was like I felt like I was just running and gunning. It's funny. Whenever I think about this game and then kind of the trajectory of the entire series, I always bring it back to the show 24. Did you watch 24? I never did, but I know it's a pretty popular. And it's, I kind of, from just from the commercials, I can kind of see where you're going. Jack Bauer. Yeah. CIA. Don't get me started about the voice, man. <laughs> that was my Michael Ironside for you. Okay. So can we talk about the, the voice actor? Yeah, so, go, go ahead. Okay. So I want to just, as some of you may know, um, I'm a huge Command & Conquer fan. I've kind of played them all my life growing up, but hundreds of hours into those games when I was younger. Um, and it's Michael, what's his name? Iron- Michael Ironside. Okay, so in Michael Ironside plays a very like prominent commander in Command & Conquer 3. And when he, he's not really doing a voice acting, he's playing himself, but using that Sam Fisher voice. I've heard it countless times. I've played the campaign like dozens of times before. So I hear this voice. I know this voice. This is my voice. I boot up freaking Sam Fisher in Conviction. And he's using the same voice, and I'm like, the face doesn't match. I can't, I can't disconnect it. Uh, to, to compare it, Sam Fisher plays essentially like Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Um, a middle age, what's his name? The guy from Taken. Oh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's actor from Taken. That's essentially what Sam Fisher looks like in the Splinter Cell series. Yeah. And then I want, I don't want to knock Michael Ironside, but he looks almost like Darth Vader when the mask comes off, <laughs> but like with good facial. Like a better, like, I don't know, he's just a tall, like, bigger, like, white guy. Yep. Um, 
He reminds me of like Michael Chiklis or um, the guy who played Vincent, um, who played in Daredevil, um, Kingpin in the new Daredevil yeah, series on Netflix. Exactly. So. Reminds me of that. And I'd never looked at him at all. So what you told me to do when we, before we started the show, he's like, I'm going to talk about my, Michael Ironside. What I want you to do is Google his name when I start talking about him and tell me what you think. Yeah. And this is not what I expected. Yeah. And it doesn't match. But at the same time, like that, that voice is like iconic for like a bad like villain. Like today we're going to take everyone down. Like that's my best impression. But so I... Great cast for the voice acting, but it just I couldn't d- disconnect the two because my brain was certainly connected to the the visual voice actor. In yeah, Command and Conquer. I was thinking of David Hayter, who's the voice of Snake, and uh, that kind of person. When I thought of what Michael Ironside looked like, not him at all. Yeah, even like the, the craziest part is. Uh, not to jump into another game, but in the Batman series, Kevin Conroy, yep. that, that plays Batman. The best Batman that's ever been. If anyone like argues, I, I, I don't participate in the argument because it's just it's foolish. He is Batman. Thank you. Even when I saw him as the voice actor, he's kind of like a skinnier version of like, you know what it is? I know you watch My Hero Academia. He's All Might. Batman is All Might, the big buff monsters. And, like, and Kevin Conroy is like the deflated one. But his voice acting, I believe it. I'm like, you know what? If I saw him in the street and he started using that voice, that's Batman. He's just retired. You know, he's going through some things. Like his knees are giving out. That's Batman after the fact. He's like Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So to tie it all back to 24, <laughs> yeah. Dennis Habert, who played the president in the 24 shows, was the voice of your companion through the first four Splinter Cell games. Gotcha. Tying it all back together so this game is like 24 in that over the course of the over the show Kiefer Sutherland who plays Jack Bauer in the series kind of went from like a straight man to like got a little bit in trouble with the law and then he just went and became a total renegade and that's kind of what they're trying to portray both in the character and the gameplay in this one that like you're a renegade do what you want including interrogating men however you like yeah that's what I I I didn't play any of the other games so I didn't have that backstory. I, the, how I picked it up was he's a former like a, a special agent that has like special like military skills, and they want him to come back to like fight again. So it's it's a, a typical. I feel like it's, it's the story of several games, movies that's happened all the time. Any book in the Clancy verse, I'm sure, would be very similar to this. Yeah, exactly. Jack uh, Reacher, you you name it. Having the backstory of like the previous games and like kind of you said you did the book report. What. In a nutshell, what's the general story? I guess, do you want to set it up from when we start when he talks about his daughter? Because yeah. that's what kind of loops him in. Yeah, so um, do you mind if we actually talk about some of the other parts oh, of the gameplay first? Fire away. So the other parts of the gameplay, the mark and execute feature is brand new in Splinter Cell. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that is the first game where they do it. Do you want to kind of explain what that feature is? Sure. I didn't use it that much, but... What? I, yeah, I'll explain why. Okay. Okay, so essentially, if you're... if you. If you do a hand-to-hand, like, combat takedown of an individual, you unlock an ability to, like, mark individuals. And if you're within their sights, you can click, well, for on the mouse and keyboard is the E to execute. And you can just one-shot, headshot all of them in super, like, fast motion. Red Dead Redemption, similar concept. Dead Eye or Red Eye, whatever. Red, yeah, Red Eye in Red Dead Redemption. It's a similar concept, but you can only unlock it and you get one chance after you do, like, a physical takedown of someone either sneaking up behind them and choking them or whatever it may be that unlocks the ability the reason why i didn't use it jacob i know you're surprised is it was kind of annoying that i had to do a takedown to like initiate it rather than like like accumulate some kind of experience like if i took down 10 guys over the first mission give me like a shot at it or something 
yeah, that's just maybe a personal gripe of like how I kind of, so that's one of the reasons why I didn't use it that much. But when I did have it available, if someone was walking in a doorway and I did take it, I used it every time, but I didn't actively say, shoot, I have to find someone to take down that way I can execute four people. Yeah. I was just gunning. I was gunning all the time. I think it's fair to say that if this game was more open-ended and gave you more, cause this game is very linear and it does, it gives you some like room in the play playground to kind of play in the toy box. But I feel like even games that came five years later, uh, gave you more to do and more to play with. Even a meter that was like, cool, you killed 10 guys in whatever way you want, you get a free mark and execute. I feel like that would have been better. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, even with the gameplay too, the one thing besides the marking thing, the because you mentioned how there's some ways to kind of kill people that were like, okay, I kind of was annoyed by the, the dropping of like items from the ceiling, like shoot down this like light or whatever it is and it's going to kill people. It seemed very like detached from the gameplay because it's not I don't, I don't know it didn't seem believable that this guy is gonna shoot this thing down to make a huge ruckus and kind of bring more like back up and he's a military guy why would he want to make more noise yeah. and it seemed like he they emphasized a lot about sneaking around mm-hmm. but to, to get through the game you're not sneaking you have to like more or less go into a firefight with your silenced pistol against armed guards with like machine guns I, it, just, it, first, it didn't seem even if in movies standpoint like I, if I, you just saw someone walking around in like cargo pants and like a J Crew sweater <laughs> he's not taking down like 20 SWAT guys with machine guns and like helicopters like it's not gonna happen I don't yeah. care how Liam Neeson he is yeah or, or how you know um, diehard he is how John McClane he is he's not gonna do it yeah I don't I have to jump into it now because I just remembered it there's one part later on in the game um, where Sam Fisher gets shot in the chest by one of the main characters and he drops down I'm like do you know how many bullets I've absorbed in this entire game and I didn't even flinch I was sprinting with like a whole clip going through my chest and then in the scene he gets shot once he's like oh why would you do this like yeah there, there's a weird balance between like realism and making this game fun because like you I feel like to progress in some of the areas some of them are very narrow yeah. and you have to take I don't think you could go through this game very easily by not killing anyone you have to kill some of the guys I'm sure there's some video online of someone doing it but mm-hmm. that's just like bravo that's a tough thing to do it's not like I, I, like that reviewer said when you first started this podcast like it's not traditional i guess stealthiness I, I was expecting a little metal gear solid of like being stealth and getting through and you have the option to not engage anyone and still progress but yeah. I played this game a lot like I played Metal Gear Solid 4 because in that game, you can at some points, the third person shooting is okay and you can actually get out your gun and just start shooting people. Yeah, it's an option. It's an option. And I feel like I use this option a lot more here, even with one of the other kind of big gameplay things they added called Last Known Position, which was if you shot or killed someone and someone saw you, this little silhouette in kind of white would show up in the environment and everyone would say like, cool, that was his last known position and they would all go to there. Yeah. You can even play with that and go like, cool, I'm going to like let myself be seen and then run away and go around and then shoot all these guys from the other side. I, I tried doing that a couple of times too. I, 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 every single technique that they introduced, I used in some way, but more, more times than not, I wasn't even intending like the whole silhouette thing. Usually I was just caught in the firefight and I found that I couldn't even get away most of the time because like any way you go they're already coming towards you like unless you like go through the ground somehow magically and it's tricky the controls i found i don't know if you felt this on pc but the controls didn't allow me to make very quick movements so enemies will throw grenades at you right and we could talk about the gadgets as we kind of get into this but sometimes a grenade will be thrown at you and i don't know how many times i died because my brain 
because the controls were so like far from what you expect from a stealth game, I found that I would fumble around and then just get get killed in one instant by a grenade. Okay, so it wasn't just me on the keyboard. No, was, so I, I was wondering. I was like, maybe if I would. That's one of the reasons why I want to play it on there because I figured it's probably a bunch of mechanics, but easier to use. I had the same thing. I found like especially even when you're moving stealthily and you're trying to connect with a wall like Gears of War style. You know when you're like stealthily walking yep. behind an object. There's sometimes I'm like, why can I go to this area right here? It's so close. I can go to this one, but I can't go to this box, which is closer. There's a couple times I just, it was, I had to get up and like exit the stealth walking mode and walk normally to another position, exposing myself essentially yeah. to the enemies. The, the stealth gameplay in this one and the cover system is entirely different in that like on the controller, at least you have to hold left trigger in order to like, stick to cover and you can move between covers by hitting a but i find it's not as elegant as something yeah. like a gears of war yeah exactly that's exactly what it was because in my head i'm like uh, gears of war it was kind of weird to do that but it was fun and addicting because you're always stuck on the wall always stuck on the wall and everything is accessible you can jump over the wall this one i feel like was wasn't as good and it sucks that we're comparing it to another game but it just that's what it was like i've played all i was comparing it to maybe a game i've played in that time like batman was pretty sweet yeah. Vanquish had good cover yeah, systems. Yeah, thing, Vanquish was so unique. Like it was fast running gun, and they're able to handle the the cover pretty well too. Yeah, um, Binary Domain is a game that I played in that area, which maybe someday I will get you guys to play on this podcast because cool. it's nuts. Uh, but it had a cover system very similar to this, where it was a little bit clunky. Um, yeah. Gears only came out I think two or three years later than this, so it's not completely yeah. out of the question for the cover system to be better than this. Yeah. Um, no, Gears came out before this. I feel like it did. Yeah, it's, especially Gears One was like one of the original. OG Xbox 360 titles. Yeah. Did it come out for Xbox original? No, right? It no, it came title. for 360. Uh, Gears of War came out in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they can do better. Weeks ago. Yeah. I, I mean, look, they, they did their best and they did their, their best in other areas. Um, interrogations is one of the areas where I found was very interesting. Was it Batman that had interrogations as well? Kind of like that, where he kind of like picks up like a thug up and it's like, where's the Joker? Yeah, pretty and much. And he's like, I'm not telling you anything. It's like, dude, yeah. I thought that was cool, and I liked how when you walked around in an area, he would engage with like the different items. So if there was like a um, like a, a wine chest, he'd put the guy's head through the wine chest. If there was like a, a toilet, he would break the guy's head off the toilet. Like, yeah, there's always something. That was pretty cool. I wish there were more seamless. of it. Yeah, it was seamless though. I felt like with every item didn't look like an interactable item, which sometimes games kind of struggle with. You'll like randomly be like walking. It's like go up to an object and you see the object shining and it's just like, looks like it doesn't fit there. Yep. Whereas here I felt like I was going up to things and I was like, I wonder if this is even going to do anything. And sure enough, he engaged correctly with whatever I was near, whether it was a regular wall, a locker, whatever it is, he engaged with it. And it seemed like magic, I guess, because it didn't seem like it was an interactable item. Have you heard of the concept of monster closets? No. So in a game like Doom 3, did you play Doom 3? Yes. Exactly that would happen where like you're looking at a wall and there's a chunk of the wall that is a different color than every other thing and you're like, That's what I'm talking about. An enemy is going to pop out of that. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. It's usually any interactable item has some kind of, it's different than the regular environment. I I don't know if it's because it's a different team that works on the animation or the color for certain things. But yeah, it's always easy to spot. It's like, okay, well, something's going to happen here. Yeah, Yeah, and I I mean, they've gotten over that now, but like games of this era, I think, like you said, Splinter Cell Conviction did that very well where you're like, cool, I'm going to take you over to this console and am I going to break your face over it or am I just going to punch you in the face? Like, we'll see when I hit this interrogate button. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else from a gameplay perspective? What do you want to talk about in gameplay? So this, so as the chief guns officer at the Left Behind Game Club... (laughs) I have to address the fact that I felt like I was robbed of gun gameplay because it was... Okay, 
I brought up Gears of War. I'm going to bring it up again. Gears of War's shooting was known as like you can be precise from long range with certain weapons, but then like let's say the assault rifle, if you're over a thing and you're shooting, you're spraying and praying. Like it's just going everywhere. I felt like every weapon in this gun was a spray and pray, and there was no precision. And it was like annoying. Like if one, oh, I'll start with all the other weapons. So that you can get an assault rifle. That it did the same thing. If you're shooting, like if you're standing, like I guess uh, in a crouched position, and you're aiming at someone, not even over an object, you weren't like gonna. You're not gonna deck them. Now these rifles can go like 500 yards and take down a target. You're telling me I can't shoot someone who's 30 yards you away mean in real to, life, right? Yeah, you can't tell me I can shoot someone 30 yards away and like not hit them exactly where I'm aiming in the crosshairs. Like we've done this before. We've, we've can't. They wasn't adding any benefit besides yeah. like. And he's a trained ex-military guy that they're bringing back into service. What, did he forget how to shoot? Like, does he... It just got really... I'm like, how are we... Like, especially with the pistol. Like, that's kind of, I feel like, the weapon that... The silence pistol was, like, the main one because you had unlimited ammo. So you could take down as many people. But it got so annoying when I'm, there's someone literally 20 yards away and I'm trying to shoot them and I can't even hit their chest. Like, that was the, one of my biggest gripes with, with the game. I found myself using the silence shotgun a lot. But I, because running out of ammo, because you're unloading so much, if I was running and gunning, I eventually just used the pistol most of the game. Yeah, uh, because the pistol, you have unlimited ammo too. Yeah. So you can just kind of spray and pray with that bad boy. I used either uh, an assault rifle or a submachine gun as my backup weapon. Same, same. But um, shotgun was kind of what I had to use just because I sometimes I got scared. There was like three people like coming so close at me, I just wanted to one shot, boom, instead of relying on the aiming of the, all those rifles. And it's fair to say that if you get shot basically twice in this game, like you're, you're going down and you're yeah. dying. Yeah, I was, I was playing on normal. What were you playing on? I was also playing on normal, and it's fair to say this is the second time I played through the game. Um, As you play through the game, you get these challenges. You achieve these challenges, which give you points, which you can use to upgrade your weapons. But I found that even as I was upgrading my weapons, it didn't help me in the way that I wanted them to. No, I didn't see any effect. Everyone went down relatively easy. There's some guys that you have to shoot like maybe four times like in the chest. Headshots were really effective, but I just... it seemed like the, there were so many guns, but there's no need to use any of them because none of them were much special than the other besides maybe holding more ammo in a clip. Yeah, I used a lot of the gadgets instead of using the guns. And yeah. I, and maybe that's what they intended is for you only to use your weapon as a last resort. But like, I hate to keep bringing up like Hitman 2016, but they give you a toolbox where every piece of the toolbox can equally get you to where you need to go aka murdering fools yeah but in this game i feel like they really like kept you to okay hand to hand sure gadgets yes guns only if you're in a pinch yeah but there's some situations where you you're in that pinch all the time you're gonna need to use it um what about the sonar kind of thing yeah so later in the game you end up getting this uh kind of the iconic splinter cell three lensed um, oh, that's where it's from. Yeah. Okay. It was kind of a little throwback. They're like, hey, you know how to use one of these? And it's one of those like three lensed goggles that yeah. let you see sonar wise all the guys through walls, which to me was one of the coolest gadgets and coolest parts of this entire game. Yeah. Batman Arkham Asylum. Literally the bat view or whatever where you can see through walls. It's pretty cool. I liked it. Just, and you know what I liked most about it was just the how the effect engaged. It was like a sonar pulse that went away from around you. And if it hits someone, they like lit up like a Christmas tree and you see, okay, this guy's behind two walls over there. This guy's over here. And also if you move quickly, it distorts it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, beyond the sonar, you get like grenades, flashbangs, 
remote mines, sticky cameras. Sticky cameras are from like the earlier games too. Didn't um, use them much. You didn't use them much. And see, no. I used almost all my gadgets. Yeah. Like if I was going into a firefight, I would use all my gadgets and then come back to the kind of ammo storage facility, uh, reload, and then keep going out. With me, I was like, I just usually the, the flashbang EMP and the, the regular frag grenades were just like uh, I was using them purely offensively, like with the flashbang distract someone running gun running gun especially with the pistol that's kind of been my strategy with this game and i, I don't know I, that's the way it was kind of pushing me towards because i didn't like the navigation mechanics of being sneaky i i even didn't like shooting out lights because i'm like if i'm shooting at a light isn't someone gonna notice so i was like okay i guess we're not so. and that's kind of the iconic thing from the original trilogy is like you will shoot out every light and then, like, maybe you'll do the splits in a hallway and then, like, come and murder a fool. Yeah. But shooting out lights was essential to those uh, first games. gotcha. Yeah. In this one, not as much, but um, I took it more run and gun than I would have yeah. a regular spin game. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a badass moment, and this kind of is the epitome of, like, what Splinter Cell Conviction is all about. Um, I took a dude, so I was in the White House, because of course you're in the White House in this game, Mm -hmm. and I came up behind a guy for the hand-to-hand combat, because you can actually take a guy and, like, um, use him as a human shield. I use that all the time. So I did that, human shield, and then marked four guys in the next room, and then bashed this guy's head against the wall... And then kicked open the door and just murdered four guys very quickly. Oh, that's like a movie scene. It, it was. It yeah. was like Taken. I was like, yeah. yeah. Did you, have you ever, like, in the game, have you ever held, like, held home and hostage and then thrown them? Yes. And, like, seen them actually, like, fly? Like, I'm like, what kind of power does this man have? Because they fly, like, ragdoll-like, yeah. right? Back when Havoc physics was still a thing. Yeah, and they were dead for some reason. It's like, I don't know why you're dead. Or, I guess sometimes he snaps his neck. You get it. challenges for, like, throwing them at windows, which is always hilarious to do as well because yeah. they just flop and they're like oh, I wish I would have tried that would have been giving me some joy in the game I guess oh boy um, so we talked a lot about the controls the gameplay the controls um, I struggled with them a lot I found my my guy never did Sam Fisher never did exactly what I wanted to do and I wanted more tightness in the movement did you have the same problem on PC yeah same thing I, I, I kind of wasn't even going to bring it up because I thought maybe it was just like a PC mouse and keyboard thing nope so yeah that, that makes sense because like it was it, it was frustrating a lot of the times trying when I wanted to get to somewhere and I couldn't, or like, I it just seemed like, like a game that wasn't finished. Like it needed another couple months of like just adding smoothness or adding other things to interact with. Like if you're only able to interact with something six feet away from you, increasing the radius like eight feet. I don't know because there's a part where you actually have to go through a laser grid. Yeah, that's and pretty cool though. Like, it was it was cool, but it was really troublesome to do with your kind of loose controls. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else on the controls you want to mention before we talk about the graphics and the really cool stuff they do with the environment? Uh, no, I think that's in terms of mechanics. I think I got off everything off my chest. I feel good now. You feel good? Yeah. You feel like you've gone to church? Yeah, let it go. Well, let it go and tell me more about the frozen no i can't do it you almost did it i tried uh the environmental storytelling in this game which is to me one of the highlights in the game what was the one game we played on the podcast you know exactly what i'm talking about gone home no i said environmental storytelling you're like yeah yeah what the one with uh the island and the, all the kids the ancestry and the trees oh yeah what remains of edith finch what remains of edith finch is exactly what i got from this game a lot and i, I if you remember if you haven't listened to that podcast i strongly recommend it because i think it's a fantastic game and it was one that surprised me and i was kind of upset to have to record a podcast on it after playing it though i feel like it's up there in one of my top like 20 games of all time so one of the things it does really well is it tells you storytelling in the environment now 
Splinter Cell Conviction doesn't do that as well, but it has that concept. Let's say you're walking around, you might see like a wall that randomly has like giant writing on it saying you must save Sarah or you have to find the EMPs, blah, blah, blah. And it's written on the objects that I think only you can see. And similarly, there's also like video clips that kind of get projected almost like from like a high school like projector unit where you're kind of watching a clip of like your background and your history. And it's kind of just in their environment, hidden wherever it may be. Let's say you're walking, you might be on the side of a car kind of being played and you can hear the audio and you can see the text in it. I thought it was pretty cool. I think that was one of the coolest parts of it because even sometimes when you're like being emotionally conflicted, there's a point in the game where you discover that your daughter who you thought was dead is still alive and that your best friend from the original trilogy that you killed actually was withholding that information from you and it's just showing words about lies deception like on the wall and playing clips of you murdering him like it was very visceral and back in 2010 i think that that's one of the things where i went like dang that hasn't been done before that is dope yeah i think it's pretty cool it's like you're visualizing his internal conflict without like having a cut scene you're not interrupting the gameplay but you're still telling the 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 gamer essentially this is why what's going on in his head this is why he's making the decisions he is this is why now he's punching people in the face and breaking their their noses yeah I think it's fair to, it's fair to say I said environmental storytelling I, I wouldn't call it that because that is something like Gone Home where you're like picking up objects and you're finding story elements from it mm-hmm. this is more storytelling in the environment yeah I just want to there's probably that. yeah there's probably a, like a specific word that Mike would probably help us out with yeah um so he's got yeah. a big brain. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll figure something out. Um, but beyond that, I think um, the game does a really good job, at least in 2010, of moving seamlessly between cutscene and kind of gameplay. You can kind of tell when it happens, but I found a lot of other games would like load into a cutscene, load into the gameplay. This did it incredibly seamlessly. And for 2010, I think that was like a really... Uh, it's a big deal. It's a big achievement at that point. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say on graphics? They, apart from the environmental stuff, I think that it's it's a pretty standard fare. Yeah, I feel like it was a, it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, but for the time, it was like the standard. Whenever like you said, oh, look at the graphics on the Xbox 360, you'd probably show the game like Splinter Cell or like when you're bragging about how good it was at the time. That's what how I felt. Yeah, and these days you'd look at it and go like, I could play this game. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look great, but it's yeah, fine yeah, for yeah. It's for not, 2019. It holds up all right. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's fine. You know, oh no. I had this, I had, when I was playing it, I had this idea thought out the whole time. This is like this 2010 Splinter Cell is literally a mobile game, like a current mobile shooter game in terms of graphics, mechanics, how hard it is sometimes to get to places, storytelling. If it wasn't like Tom Clancy, if they just invented a game called like Splinter's Cell and they brought it out and right now it'd probably be like one of like the top mobile games in terms of an experience. Cause you're, that, you're not expecting that PS4. You're not expecting that like rtx 2080 graphics kind of thing this is kind of what you're getting in mobile video games that's how i kind of saw it do you kind of see what i'm saying like if it was if i if you're able to download it on your phone and that was a graphics quality on there you'd be like all right yeah and it's running smoothly 60 fps like you're like all right yeah cool this is a pretty good achievement what's the game that chair and epic made on the iphone that you swipe to kind the of swords the swords okay game. that okay that's the, what's thing. the game called i can't remember i think oh, it's called swords I'll get the name for you. Just but anyways, yeah. So th- with that game, I know it has like really good graphics. But I don't think the mechanics are as in depth in terms of multiple EMP grenades, d- multiple guns, shooting Infinity down Infinity Blade. Infinity Blade. Yeah, that's why I kind of felt like it's like a decent mobile game. If because there's that the standard for a mobile game is not like you're not expecting the world. You're expecting something that's playable, good graphics, good sound, some story. 
I wouldn't be surprised if like you looked right now to see if Splinter Cell is available on like iOS. <laughs> it's I feel like it's not that much of a stretch. I'm going to do that while I ask you about the sound in the game. Did you find anything kind of normal with the sound or anything out of the ordinary with the sound in this game? There wasn't. I don't know. I didn't find anything special. It was just, yeah, it was a generic shooter. Sorry for giving my summary all all the way right now. There's not really much that's special about it, and it's fine. The guys are very sweary. I don't know if I, like, not sweary the the video game developer, but, like, they swear a lot. The characters? Yeah. Yeah, More so than I remembered. Yeah, the vice president, the president, everyone, like, was, well, like, the president didn't really swear, but everyone was very aggressive and i think it's because this game might have been the first one that had an m rating um versus the others that had a t rating i'm gonna quickly look that up but i think that it might have been one of the first games that kind of shot for that m rating in terms of like swagger where does the where does conviction like land in terms of all of the other splinter cells like when someone says you should play a splinter cell do they say conviction first they say chaos theory do they say just avoid them all like what's so it's interesting, right? Because in 2019, I think my answer to you is going to be very different. Um, it's, the, it's the third game with an M rating. The first two were T, and then Chaos 3 had an M, and then they went M from there. Gotcha. Um, I would always go back. Um, back if you look at our one of our first episodes, we made these lists, right? And on these lists, we're like, these are the 10 games we want to play on this podcast. As of next month, we'll be halfway through those lists. We've played 15 of the games on those lists. Nice. This is the one that I would have people go to first. Um, just because it's modern and it doesn't make you stick to that stealth gameplay. Gotcha. It's almost like a progenitor of a game like Hitman that came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but the Chaos Theory and Pandora Tomorrow had incredible multiplayer that uh, were some of my favorite multiplayer experiences growing up. And those are more stealthy? I feel like if you want to introduce someone to a series that's known for stealth, would, wouldn't you want them to kind of try out the stealth? Yeah, I, but I'm afraid that they're just going to be very, very dated. I know that they uh, put okay. out on PlayStation 3, there is a Splinter Cell trilogy collection cool. that takes the kind of um, first three games and puts them out. Uh I would probably either say to someone, like, go for a game like Chaos Theory if you want a stealth game, and then Conviction if you just want a good action game. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That's where I fall on that, even though it it hasn't aged as well as as I kind of thought it would. So sound, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. You can tell where the guys are based on the sound. Um, Should we talk about the story before we kind of close it out and give you a... I can run you through my book report here. Uh, briefly. So, so Professor Mo, can, 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 can you grade my book report here based on the Splinter Cell game here? Okay. Okay, so uh, Sam, Sam Fisher, he quits Third Echelon, which is that information warfare-based organization in the U.S. government, um, to investigate the death of his daughter. Um, he's in, I think, uh, Bogota or something like that, and he's approached by Hitman, Hitmen that are like they're about out to get you, and one of his former colleagues, Grim, comes to him on a on a phone. Is like, hey, you need to get out of there and find a guy named Coben, who's the guy that's trying to kill you. Um, he gets captured by Coben uh, and the third echelon, um, and uh, essentially they're like, hey, we're gonna keep you here forever. Ha 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 ha. Grim helps him escape because she's like, hey, there's a mole and they're causing problems and they're gonna do something really bad. You need to be the guy to find out what's going on. She does. 
or he does. He gets out. Um, he, you're yawning. This is oh, this is man. this is quite the story. You re-meet one of your colleagues, Victor Cost, who's a friend at the county fair to try and get info. Um, Lucius Gallers involved from Black Arrow, a PMC, but essentially, in essence, without going down a rabbit hole, vice president's a bad guy. The vice president's bad, and the the top guy at third echelon is bad, and they are concocting a plot that involves an EMP to murder the president. Yeah. So the end of the, the EMP game, to shut down all electrical service, and then the president's exposed. Yeah. So the president, uh, the female president, can get murdered, and this uh, other vice president can take over, and then all so that Reed, the head of third echelon, can get a promotion himself. So you mentioned the president being female. There's another female moment that happened in this game that I'm so upset I didn't bring up earlier. So very early in the game, when Grimm is like. You have to punch me. You have to punch me so we can convince everyone that like you attacked me and you escaped. And he's like, I'm not gonna do it. Blah, blah, blah. So in my head, I'm like, I'm not. Punching I love her. your Michael Iron yeah. side. I'm like, I'm not gonna punch her. I'm, I literally I just paced around. I see, see if anything's interactable. I even I think stop for a second. I'm like, is there like an achievement if you don't punch her? And it's like, nope. And she keeps telling it. Like in the, a cutscene, keeps like rec- not a cutscene, but she keeps t- saying, you have to hit me. You have to hit me. And then I, all of a sudden, I come like. <laughs> This is the only way. I think I waited five minutes. I'm like, there's no way there, like, I can get through this. I click the interactable, and he punches the wall behind her instead of her. And I'm like, oh, man, I could have waited. I could have just hit, like, punch her, and then it wouldn't have, like, it wouldn't have hit her anyway. Why am I wasting my time? But he does punch her. Yeah, in the second interaction afterwards. But at that point, I've wasted so much time. I'm like, I'm punching everyone. Like, <laughs> let me yeah. get through this game. It doesn't matter. Everyone's getting yeah. punched. Yeah, I feel like they didn't give me an out on the other one. Why are they giving me an out right here? So, that kind so of the game it. ends in you essentially having to take down these EMPs. You don't do it because of hell. Well, you don't take down all of them. So EMPs take out Washington and you have to walk through Washington, D.C. to the White House, get in the White House, like apprehend the vice president and save the president from the head of third echelon that's that's the story in an in a nutshell yeah i thought it was pretty whack you think so yeah it just it seems so like i don't care if there's emps going off there's um, rifles don't need electricity to function how is there only like six guys defending the vice president <laughs> there's a lot of holes in this game yeah. story for sure yeah like you, you just walk out to him and you just punch him in the face like it just seemed very uh it was, it was definitely like a like a sensational movie, like almost like a parody of like a actual stealth fighter movie. There are at least two Gerard Butler movies that like reminded uh, <laughs> reminded me of this. Um, it was like, um, not London Has Fallen, but like, um, I, I forget one the, of the Fallen games. Yeah, the movies. Bounty Hunter or something. There's something that he played like the Washington Is Falling, the President of Fallen, something yeah. like that that reminded me exactly of this. There's a new one coming out. Is there? Yeah, because I think, what do the commercials say? It was like, the president's like, I'm going to wait. I want to make you my like vice president or something, my chief of staff. And all of a sudden, these like militia guy come and kill the president. And they accuse Gerard Butler of killing the president. And now he has to do something. <laughs> that sounds like it. He does way too many movies exactly about this premise. Yeah. Olympus Has Fallen is the movie that yeah. I'm talking about. And it's about. part of the Fallen series, they said. Because this one's called like... Angel Has Fallen? Angel Has Fallen. That's the, the final one. Wow. There's, I didn't realize this was a trilogy. Yeah, I saw the commercial. <laughs> the worst part about that, I saw that. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of Splinter Cell Conviction. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. You know what? The way I felt about this game, especially when it ends, um, Megiddo is a name that you hear. I'm, I'm quizzing you right now. Who in the is Megiddo? 
Did you hear Megiddo? I've at heard all? it several times. Okay, so Megiddo, you played the Metal Gear Solid games, right? Yeah. You you know the hold on, I wrote it down. La li lu lay low in Metal Gear Solid. No. So spo- slight spoilers of Metal Gear Solid. Which one? Um, don't remember, but there's a secret organization, um, oh. like the Patriots. Okay, I know the Patriots. Uh, called la la li lu lay low. Okay. And they're very much like that. Hard to pronounce, and they are secretly in charge of everything. Gotcha. I've, I've played two, I've played four, and I think I've played a little bit of three. Okay. And I've played some of the odd ones with just Raiden. So I think you need to play Metal Gear Solid 1 on this podcast, but we'll table that for later. Let's play five. Um, Megiddo is this secret organization that at the end of the game, they're like, you know nothing, Megiddo's in charge, Megiddo will get you. Yeah, that's new. Is that when he's like, I'm I'm bulletproof, I'm bulletproof, and he's like, all right, bet, and he shoots him in the leg like four times. <laughs> yeah, the vice president <laughs> yeah. says that. He's like, you can't touch me, I'm bulletproof. Like, all right, you're gone. Megiddo, you're done. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, in essence, what the story is. It's very like standard fare. It reminded me a lot of, do you know the movie Under Siege? This, I think, is my last my movie? last point about it. Okay. Under Siege 2. Did you watch Under Siege or no, Under Siege 2? Sorry. Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Who is, now, who is now a passport holder of Russia, no longer of the United States. He speaks like four languages. He speaks Japanese fluently. And he also can kick, kick the crap a, out of he's you. He's like a multiple degree Aikido black belt. Mm-hmm. He taught Anderson Silva the front kick and Anderson Silva goes in his next fight, front kicks like an insane striker and drops him in like seconds. Amazing. Yeah. And everyone's like, why is he be turning under Steven Seagal? And everyone's like, yeah, I know, really. And then all of a sudden he uses the front kick. And so he has a series of movies and he essentially plays like a Sam Fisher in these movies and I feel like this game is my Under Siege 2 because Under Siege 2 is like one of my favorite was one of my favorite action movies of all time he's on a train there's a satellite (laughs) he has to kill some people and and save the train Catherine Heigl is his daughter in the movie we're talking a lot about movies in this show but um, I came back to it a couple years ago and I watched it and I'm like dang this game this this movie is not great and I kind of feel the same way about Conviction Mm -hmm. it's it is a solid, like, high seven, low eight game that just doesn't age as well as I thought it would. Yeah, I would say it was definitely that type of score back then. Um, but right, right now, obviously, they can't. You can't rate a game like that now. It's no, it's not fair. I don't believe in number ratings anymore. Anyway, yeah, we can have a debate about that. Oh. Um, I just had one more point I wanted to bring up. This game had a weird amount of product placement. I don't know if you if you caught it. Um, There's two brands that were like featured very prominently. Which, which ones? Philips um, and Cisco. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. So Philips, at, when you're at the state fair, um, you just walk through and there are a bunch of booths that feature Philips shavers with large inflatable Philips shavers just hanging out there. They got to cover the overhead, man. They need those sponsors. Same thing with Cisco. So Cisco does like corporate telecommunication stuff oh, yeah, and at one point monsters. they're like go up to the telepresence uh the telepresence machine model 441 <laughs> <laughs> and you hit the cisco button and it's like cisco telepresence so yeah msrp 49.99 <laughs> minimum order 400 units <laughs> <laughs> yes five thousand dollars per year to operate yeah um any th- other thoughts about splinter cell conviction uh, i think we've covered almost every single possible thing um i'm surprised it even went this long because I, I, was, I thought it was just a very basic game, and we kind of, I think, hit a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I I gave my thoughts that it's like Under Siege 2, and I return to it. I'm a little disappointed, but still, if you're curious about the Splinter Cell kind of legacy, either Chaos 3 or this one would be the place to start. What are your final thoughts on it? Yeah, similar thing. If if you're really struggling for a game to play and you want to play one of the Splinter Cells, it was, it was solid. I wouldn't say I had a terrible time. Mechanics were a little rough. 
But if I want to just knock that that name off my belt, a Splinter Cell game, I definitely would have played it again. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. I think there are other like if you're really into stealth, there are probably other games. Like I would recommend Metal, Metal Gear Solid, Solid over this. Day. I would day. recommend Hitman over this. But yeah, like all day. if you are interested, this game isn't bad. It just yeah. hasn't been as as kind in time. Yeah, I think a lot of people have played Metal Gear and uh, Hitman, so maybe this is the option if they if they still want like a stealthy ish series to look at i don't know about you but i do i do want a sequel or a reboot to this game that'd be pretty cool with like good mechanics yeah some actual stealth some guns that worked because <laughs> the last game came out in 2013 on the 360 and mm-hmm. i don't know if it came out on ps3 but it they changed the voice actor it went back to more of its stealth roots yeah um, but i i wouldn't mind having a complete reboot of this I'm, game i'm wondering i brought it up with mike i think in a couple podcasts like What's the deal? Is it like, are these types of games dead? Like, because you want a game that you can keep playing. Like, is someone going to dish out that seventy nine ninety nine to play a four hour, five hour mission? Like, where do you do you add that multiplayer component that was in the other games? What? How do you reboot this and have people care and buy it? There are some very smart people at Ubisoft, and I'm sure someone in that in one of their many studios is going, how can we do the Hitman thing with Splinter Cell? Because yeah. to me, that's the natural progression for this game mm-hmm. like is small, open worlds. Yeah, and like like small missions. Yeah, that's Hitman. It was a, whoever figured that idea was hit it out of the park. And like, um, uh, not IDOS, but Square Enix, let them go. Like let IO Interactive, the developers of Hitman, yeah. go and do their own thing. It was wicked. It was. Um, I think those are all the thoughts that we have about Splinter Cell. Um, if you've been curious about some of the things we've talked about, I know we've mentioned uh, our What Remains of Edith Finch episode. We've mentioned our Great Hitman episode. series of episodes. Great episodes. You can check those out at leftbehindgame.club. Uh, if, uh, Mo, if folks want to interact with us, where's the best place to do that? Well, if you go on our website at leftbehindgame.club, um, we have a little link that will take you directly to our Discord channel. Uh, feel free to join and jump in the conversation. We're always talking about games I think Jacob talked about wrestling sometimes too. We try to find some deals. Um, it's, it's a nice little place to kind of keep up to date and see when the next podcast is coming out. Yeah, and if you do like the podcast, uh, we do appreciate any five-star reviews that you give us on wherever you listen. Uh, it is incredibly helpful. I know on Apple Podcasts, you can do it easily. On Stitcher, you can. Just if you like the show, uh, give it that five-star review. It does help. And tell a friend because we're always looking to, to have people come into the community and, and talk about some games that might not necessarily be the games that are coming out right this second. Yeah, I think that's the best way too. All of my podcasts I've like listened to, most of them I've found through a friend. Or probably on YouTube somewhere as well. So that's the only way we can kind of get everyone to chat if you guys chat along with everyone else. And I do want to shout out um, someone who shouted us out on their show um, on the Player Player podcast. Uh, I've been talking a lot with the Hoop Man from those uh, from those shows. Uh, their show is a little bit similar to ours in that they go topic by topic on different episodes. But instead of talking about a specific game, they will talk about a specific topic. So, for example, if you like affordable games, they do a specific episode about that. So, again, you can check them out. That is the Player Player podcast. Um, they shouted us out. Uh, so I will do the same and shout them them out for their dope content shout out uh mo if people want to find you on the internet where can they do so you can find me on almost every social media platform at emmertati or emmertati.com and you can find me at jacob mccourt on every major social media platform and that my friends is one less game left behind shout out to mike mm-hmm.